Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of a Hitler in every town. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, we tend to believe that truly evil people are the great exception. For example, people such as, what's the first name comes to mind? That's right, Adolf Hitler. And I think we would all agree he was a pretty evil person. Of course, Joseph Stalin, I don't know if he was better. Personally, I think he might have been worse. I think Hitler was half crazy, even Stalin wasn't, so it makes it all the worse. Most historians say Stalin was responsible for more murders than, than even Hitler. And Mao Zedong, he's the, the granddaddy of mass murderers, in a sense, because he might have killed, or because of his reign, I should say, might have been responsible for a hundred million deaths. Uh, there are many others. There's Saddam Hussein, there's Idi Amin at Uganda, there's Pol Pot, who killed almost 30% of his population in Cambodia. He has the record for, I believe, for the highest percentage of people killed in his country. Fortunately, Cambodia only had 7 million people. Otherwise, <laughs> the numbers of dead would have been much greater. But we think of such people as being extreme exceptions, which fortunately they are, obviously. This is a mistake on our part. Why? I'm going to explain that to you. First of all, and I'll use Hitler as an example because he's the one that's most on people's minds, maybe because of you know, how, many how many movies have been made about Hitler, right? About Mao and his excesses, uh, I can't think of any movies right now. Or Stalin, you don't see him either, but about the, the Holocaust and things, there's just so much on TV and so much on movies, and rightfully so, we should never forget that. But about these other mass murders, well, we do seem to forget them or not even learn about them in the first place, and I don't think this is right. And this is not to justify Hitler, believe me. It's just saying that uh, there's a lot of evil that is going on in the world, and we should remember, remember the victims of these monsters. But the problem is this. Okay, the Holocaust. They say about 6 million Jews were killed and a few million others, for, gypsies, for example, homosexuals, uh, communists. Anybody said anything against Hitler could be thrown in a concentration camp and killed, as we all know. But how many of those people in the concentration camp did Hitler personally kill? I don't think a single one. As a matter of fact, I remember reading years ago that there's no record that he ever went to any of the concentration camps. I'm not saying that he didn't know. No, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knew what was going on there, right? But he didn't go there. He wasn't there killing Jews or gypsies or anybody else. So who was doing it? Well, it wasn't just two or three other people. It was thousands of people. It was thousands of people. I mean, they had so many of these prisoner camps and concentration camps and extermination camps around. They had thousands of SS men and SS women. They had... Uh, uh, well, some of the most brutal in those camps were actually Jews who served as police for the other Jews. And some of them were the most brutal because they wanted to show the SS, look, I'm a good police force. I'm going to oppress these Jews 
hoping that they won't be killed. And of course, generally, they were killed at the end too. There's all kinds of brutality being being uh, perpetrated in those camps, in Stalin's camps as well. And uh, in the case of all these figures, there are thousands partaking in this. Now, it's true that people like Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and, and the others I named, and a few more, uh, were terrible monsters and very evil. You insult them however you like, I don't care. Because they deserve that and much more. But on the other hand, a problem with that is that then we tend to blame everything on the one big name. In Germany, for example. Yes, Germany, basically a civilized country, but because of that Hitler. Look what happened because Hitler. Well, no, it wasn't because of Hitler. Hitler was one man. He wasn't even a general in World War I. He had been a corporal and the different accounts of whether he was a, whether they deserved that Iron Cross he won or I don't know. He might have been a really good, brave soldier. I don't know. I don't really care too much. In any case, this was not a good guy. But how did he do it? Well, it wasn't just one man who did this. He was, of course, a product of his times and because of other things, the, the Versailles Treaty that didn't treat German fairly and Germany having terrible economic conditions and, and chaos in Germany, people crying out for a strong leader and, and Hitler being totally determined to become that leader. It was a combination of circumstances. Uh, in the case of Stalin, I won't go into that, but something similar. In the case of Mao, these are people that do rise to the top, but in other circumstances, we wouldn't even know who these people are. If Hitler had been, had been born, say, in, I don't know, 1850 in the United States, we wouldn't know who he is. He'd probably be, I don't know, a settler someplace. Maybe would have gotten, I don't know, maybe would have been a violent criminal and been shot by some marshal in a western town. I don't know. We wouldn't know who he is. And in any case, he couldn't have done those things alone, obviously. He had thousands and thousands, millions actually helping him, as in the case of Stalin, as in the case of Mao. Now, the title of this episode is A Hitler in Every Town. This is something I've been saying for decades, really. I believe in every town, okay, unless there may be only five or six people, but say in even a small town of a thousand people only, and especially if that town has two, three, four, five, six thousand. Theoretically, you could find one person, at least, that if you gave them all the power Hitler had when he was at his peak, or that Stalin had, or that Saddam Hussein had, or Mao, they would be every bit as bad as those other figures. Now, this might sound like a terribly misanthropic thing to say, like, I don't trust anybody, and I think everybody's potential. It kind of reminds me of feminism. Oh, every man's a potential rapist, and all that kind of total nonsense. No, not everybody. Is, uh, is a potential murderer, this or that. Uh, if you're pushed to extremes, you might be able to kill somebody, but whether that's murder, that's another thing. Whether everybody's potential mass murderer, I really don't think so. But if you take enough people, a group of 1,000 people, you better be sure there's one there. Let's just take the average criminal in America. I don't mean either you know, people like Bill Gates, who's hardly the average criminal, or Dr. Fauci. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. You'll see, if you don't believe that, You'll see. You'll see what Fauci's already being accused of. It's not going to end well for him. But I'm not talking about such big names. There are people on Wall Street that have cheated for billions of dollars. I'm not talking about people like that. I'm also not talking about, I don't know. Let's talk about a small-time thug 
who goes around, he sees a person, goes out and then pulls out a knife, holds it in the throat, give me your money, I'm going to kill you. Suppose you gave that person, that individual, who's a nobody, really, right? And he gets through life, maybe ends up killing somebody, maybe he doesn't, maybe he just robs people and terrifies them so they're traumatized for the rest of their lives. Uh, and maybe others aren't traumatized, but anyway, they lose their money, the very least. Suppose you took a person like that and you said, okay, you're going to be the, the, the king of this country. You can do whatever you want. How do you think those people are going to treat the masses? Somebody that would actually go up to somebody on the street and pull out a knife or throw to pull out a gun on them or have a baseball bat where they say, I'm going to kill you if I'm giving money. What goes on in the minds of such people? You ever think about that? Oh, some are so ready to excuse it. Oh, well, but his parents were probably very brutal to him, so he just learned brutality from the beginning. Well, you know, it's for me, I see it like a very practical sense, like a rabid dog. If some rabid Doberman attacks me, I don't care if his parents treated him bad when he was a puppy. I don't care about that. What I care about is he's attacking me, might tear me to shreds. So if I can pick up a knife or a rock to beat him, I'm going to do it. Uh, by the way, if any a vicious dog attacks you, let me give you a, a technique that you can, if you don't have any weapon. And who, this could actually save your life. Fortunately, I've never had to use it. If some vicious dog, big dog attacks you and has its mouth open to bite you, the best, you know what the best thing to do is? <laughs> Make a fist and ram it down right into his mouth and down his throat as far as you can. You say, well, <laughs> that's not going to be your first instinct. It's kind of anti-intuitive. But... Uh, Dogs, I, I heard, are made in such a way, their anatomy, if you, if you put your hand down their throat, they can't close their mouths, and so they'll choke to death. Now, whether I would actually do that, I probably wouldn't. I'll put my hand some dogs on. I'm just mentioning that, though. But if I had some other way of killing the dog, I would do it, and I wouldn't worry about how he suffered in his puppyhood, and the same with some violent thug. Necessary, I'll, I'll try to kill that person before they hurt me or kill me. And I'm not going to worry about how their parents treated them. Uh, but if you take that thug and you say, okay, thug, uh, it's your lucky day. You're going to be now the supreme ruler of the United States. Do you think they'll become good people then? <laughs> I think most of them are. Those same people, they probably beat up their girlfriends or the mother or the, you know, <laughs> or the fathers or whatever. And they attack people in the street. I don't think they become saints just because they're given all the power in a country. I think it'd be just as bad as Hitler. Uh, if they're not as bad, it's because they won't be cl as clever and as intelligent as Hitler, so they won't be able to do as much evil because they're going to fall a lot sooner than Hitler did. But uh, if they have all the power, they're going to be raping, murdering anybody. I mean, it's going to be absolutely horrible. And, you know, in any population, you have a few bad apples, right? But it doesn't have to be even a violent thug on the street. It could be your next-door neighbor. <laughs> the way you turn against your neighbors. Don't get me wrong. Okay, let's say the guy, not your next door neighbor, a guy that lives three or four houses down. <laughs> We're the girl. Uh, equal rights, right? Women can be pretty bad too. <laughs> I won't say anything more about that subject. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, there are people, you've heard stories like this too, right? You read some horrible story, you see it in the news. Some guy was arrested. Because they, they, they were suspecting him of maybe abducting children. Then they found that, yes, in his basement, he buried six children. He, used to, he, he would kidnap them and torture them. And what did the neighbors typically say? Well, he, seemed, he was a quiet sort, but he seemed like such a nice young man. Sometimes he took out my trash for me, says the old lady. So you've heard things like that, right? They would never have suspected anything. In other words, first I gave an example of the obviously violent thug out in the street, right? But there's some people that 
that count as normal, but what goes on in their minds, really? And if they could get all the power that they want, what would they really do? Now, out of a thousand people, most people I don't think would do really bad things. But I'll believe, out of a thousand people, I think be more than one person. One at least could be another Hitler. And several others could be really, really bad. Why do you think we have so much corruption in Washington? I'm not talking about mass murderers necessarily here. Uh, but just pe people that are working more for the drug companies and you know for certain lobbies than they are really for the people. How do they sleep at night? Well, they justify it all. Well, if I want to do some good for the people, this is the way they think. I know just the way people think, really. I'm an expert in that. <laughs> I guess I'm an intuitive, I'm an empath, maybe. Uh, or I'm just a logical thinker. The way they justify it is, well, I want to do some good for the people. But if I do everything the way it should be done, I'll never get elected again because my opponents will tear apart everything I say. They'll make it look like I'm not really for the people. So I have to do some things for the drug companies so that I can get funding from them. I have to do, I have to give favors here and there so I get more money coming in so I can win next election so I can at least do a few good things for the people. Well, what does that lead to? At least the politicians said, yeah, maybe do a few good things for the people, but they do more good things for themselves really than for anybody else and for these interest groups. And once they get addicted to having that power and that high paying job, they don't want to go back to having nothing. So they keep along the same track. I'm mentioning this, we're going to hear a lot about these people in the not all too distant future, about these corrupt people in Washington. We just wait, we're going to hear a lot, lot, lot more about that. And uh, once again, I'm not talking about people like Hitler necessary, necessarily, but I'll bet in the entire Congress, you give certain of those people the power of a Hitler. And before you know it, they'll be talking, they'll be mulling over their minds and even out loud, well, maybe we should force everybody to get vaccines. Oh, wait a minute, that's really happening. That's not, that's not a <laughs> hypothetical situation. That's really happening, yeah. Or maybe you'll have people to be saying, yes, people that, that support a certain ex-president, maybe we should track them. Maybe they're terrorists and we should kind of get rid of them. Oh, wait a minute, that's happening too. <laughs> you see how this works? The more power some of these people get, the more it goes to their heads. And believe me, it doesn't have to be over yet. This is the way such things start. They take more and more power for themselves. They demonize the enemy more and more. And in the end, we have concentration camps again. I don't think it will come to that point now, but I won't go into why. I'd say 80% chance it's not going to come to that. But it is, in any case, a really strong possibility, if not dominant probability. But people, even in our Congress, even in your neighborhood, there's no doubt somebody there, you give him or her all the power in the country, and they will commit the crimes every bit as bad as Hitler, Stalin, and Mao. Now, I know it sounds like I'm a misanthrope, like I just don't trust people and think people are bad. I really am not, though. I think most people are good. And this is not some kind of weird, down a religious belief, or I'm not, I'm not naive. But basically, I think people are, are good. And I think a lot of people, if they got the power, they would try to do good. But what I am saying, remember the title here, a Hitler in every town. Not in every family, in your fa like in my family, I'm thinking of my family, I can't think of a single person in my family that if they got all the power in the country, they would do evil things. I can't think of a single person <laughs> there, they would not. They would try to do their best, they might make mistakes and things might end up pretty badly because they don't know how to rule, that could be, yeah. But that they would do evil things, no, in my family. There are. But you take enough families 
and there are always these people, and sometimes you can suspect it, like, oh, that person's, you know, you know, people that maybe are extremely egoistic or always want to have things their way. Well, you just multiply that. I mean, there's some tyrants and families. Everything has to go exactly their way. Well, suppose they have the rule of an entire country. Their personality is the same, so they're going to be thinking, in the country, instead of just in my house, everything has to go my way. They'll be thinking, in my country, everything has to go my way. And that's what Hitler was. That's what Stalin was. That's what Mao was and many others. These were people who, well, Hitler didn't have a family in that sense. But uh, if they have a family, they're the bosses of their family. And when they rule the country, they're the boss in the country. And whatever I want, that's the law. And you think about that. You think about those people in, in your family. This is why I say, if you want to change the country, the most certain thing you can do is change yourself, improve yourself. Because you can't count on being able to change other people. But you can have control over how you live, what you think, what you become, how you improve yourself. And if everybody would set that goal for themselves, I want to improve myself in some way, every day even, do something to improve myself and become a better person. But how many people even think that? How many people instead aren't thinking, I'll become a better person, but I want more because I'm a victim or because other people don't treat me right or because society is so bad, always pushing the blame outward. They're never going to learn, apparently. And they're not improving themselves and they're tearing society down with them. And this is something that should be so obvious to everybody that can think. And I'm not saying society is in perfect order. Oh my God, I would never say that. What I am saying, though, is if you want to, if everybody improved themselves, society would obviously be better. We get rid of corruption, murderers, crime, etc. So for everybody to improve themselves, you know, let it start with you. You should have a plan how to improve yourself. And maybe that'll rub, on, rub off on others around you. And so you're inspiring them to improve themselves as well. And that's a goal that you can achieve because it only depends on you. You ever notice how when working in a project depends on many people, it's always more problematic. This is why when I was in school, whenever they say, we're going to have a class project that we're going to form groups of four in each group of four or five or six or whatever, uh, or is going to do some kind of present a project working together. I thought, oh my God, here we go again. Why? I remember that even in grade school when some maybe all too progressive teacher you know, we're going to work in groups now, class. You learn to work together and work towards some project. Okay, I understand the psychology behind it. They do that in the military, too. You know, the, if you have to train, say, in the infantry, you wanna, you're going to be working with a squad, right? Maybe eight to ten guys or whatever. And you have to fit in and you have to work as a unit. So I understand the psychology behind it. Uh, but at least in a classroom setting, I always dreaded that. Why? First of all, it was, it was going to end up in frustration for me or laziness. Why? Because if I have to do a project, and I think, well, my mark depends on it, I have to do it. Well, then even if I don't feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. But if the four other people and one of the people in my group happens to be one of those goody two-shoes that always wants to please the teacher, and he or she is going to be willing to do a lot of work, I'm going to think, well, let him or her do it. <laughs> you know, why is I don't, I'm not interested in this project. So I'll do a minimum. I can talk pretty well. So just make it seem like I did more than I really did do. And let, let Linda, she was a girl in our class, had like the best marks. I don't know if she's ever in a group. Hi, Linda, wherever you are. <laughs> or some, somebody like that who always got good marks and always worked a lot. Let's put more weight on them. And the other kids are thinking, I'm just going to relax, take it easy, contribute a minimum. And 
And so that was comfortable for me, but it wasn't, I didn't like the whole thing. That felt maybe a little guilty. On the other hand, if the others were lazier than I was, I thought, hey, my marksman, and then I ended up having to do more than they did. And I really resented that. So no, I didn't like these projects. And even today I say I'm happiest when it's a project that I can do myself and I don't have to depend on a few other people that maybe show up late or just lose interest in the middle of a project or don't do the things well or don't take it so seriously. Uh, not that I'm averse to working with others. I really love to do it, but you have to pick the people carefully. So I, I'm, not against, uh, I'm not against groups. I can't say that. I'm not a misanthrope, but I'm a realist. And I know that if you have enough people, just get 100 people together and just get to know them a little. And you'll find some people who say, mm, I wouldn't trust this person. And suppose that person ruled the entire country. So I'm not saying this to make you suspicious of your neighbors, as I said. I'm saying this so that you don't fall into the trap of when you read history, for example, you read about Nazi Germany. Oh, yes, all because of Hitler. Wouldn't it be good to go back in time and kill Hitler? Then think, oh, everything could have been different. I don't think so, necessarily. I think somebody else could have taken his place. Uh, Hitler came out of the circumstance of the time. And there were many others who thought like Hitler and might have been more clever than he was. Maybe they couldn't have swayed the mass as much. We don't know these things, of course. Uh, but to think that if somebody had put a bullet in Hitler's head in 1933, that everything would have been fine in Germany, I think that's quite naive. The situation's more complicated than that, in fact. The same is said of Napoleon. Napoleon was no Hitler or Mao, but hey, he could be pretty ruthless, let me tell you. And the British, of course, hated him with a passion, and they were probably thinking, if only we could have put a bullet in his head at the beginning. But after all, Napoleon was a child of the revolution, and the revolution had descended into chaos. If it hadn't been Napoleon, then it would have been some other kind of a dictatorship and maybe even a lot worse than what Napoleon brought to Europe. So let's not think that these big name figures are really the only ones responsible. Of course, that's comfortable if you're German and you think, oh, well, that was Hitler's fault. But now now we're a lot better. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm not saying most Germans are mass murderers, but I will say this. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to do this talk precisely in our times now. A lot of things are going on in the world now, and the truth is going to come out about a lot of things, and a lot of people will be totally shocked at what has been going on for years. And we're going to be seeing that it wasn't just the big-name evil people. We're going to be seeing big-name people, I won't say crawling out of the woodwork, they'll be They'll be pulled force, forcibly out of the woodwork and they're going to be revealed for the monsters that they are. Before you get that COVID jab, I implore you, read as much as possible, listen to as many videos as possible, presenting the views of those great experts who are against these experimental drugs because they're not really vaccines. You know, If you don't even know that, you know nothing about what's truly going on. Inform yourself because it could, yes, be a question of life or death for you. And I mean that seriously. I know some of you are so hypnotized. You've been hypnotized because you've heard a thousand times, uh, COVID can kill me, COVID can kill me, COVID can kill me, COVID can kill me. And then you've thought, I need a vaccine. We need a vaccine. We need vaccines. We, and with those two thoughts in your mind for days, weeks, months, thoughts that were pushed constantly by mainstream media, you are now hypnotized. 
I'm going to talk about that in the near future, about what hypnosis really is. And believe me, there'll be, I'll do a series on that. There'll be some of my most important talks ever because you'll be able to use that information for the rest of your lives, improve yourselves in ways that you can't even imagine now and recognize what's going on in the world uh, to a large degree, uh, know why it's happening. But if people hear a thousand times, COVID can kill you, COVID can kill you, COVID might just kill you, it might kill half of us. And then you hear at the same time, oh, we're going to have a vaccine, vaccines will help, vaccines will help, and, and then you're hypnotized. You're hypnotized, basically. And then some expert like Luc Montagnier, who won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 2008, comes and says, wait a minute, these experimental drugs that call vaccines are very dangerous. Then you don't hear, you can't even hear them, you can't even listen to them. So he presents you a video like that, and you say, oh, well, he's probably just a crackpot, because you're hypnotized, and you believe COVID can kill me. COVID can kill me. I need a vaccine. You've been hypnotized. And I'm not exaggerating here. In my talks on hypnosis, you'll see exactly what I mean, hopefully. I hope the hypnosis hasn't, hasn't uh, taken over your mind to such extent that you can't even follow my words. But I've seen this again and again. I've had friends contact me from other countries. Uh, a female friend I know in Germany, for example, who lives there and said, David, what's the matter with people here? I've been showing them videos by even Nobel Prize winners showing how these drugs they're injecting have, can have so many bad side effects, can do this. And it's like they don't even hear me. And I said, well, yeah, they've been hypnotized, basically. They just closed their minds to the other view. Imagine they, if they were jurors and they did that. That's always, always example I use. You know, when you're in a jury, you have to listen to the prosecution and to the defense. You can't just say, well, I'm not going to listen to that defense lawyer. I'm just going to hear what the prosecution says. And you're going to you find the defendant guilty, even if he's innocent, because you've only listened to the prosecution. If you do it the other way around, you only listen to the defense attorney. You're going to say, oh, he's innocent, even if he's guilty of sin. Imagine what disaster that would be. And yet we have just that phenomenon and something that in a sense is more important, namely the lives and deaths of millions of people in the world. A great number of people have totally closed their minds to reason and to science. I have nothing against a scientist saying, yes, these vaccines are good if he presents evidence and statistics showing how they really are safe. Remember, at the beginning, they're saying 95% effective. I read a few weeks ago, well, now they see that, well, they're only 64% effective. And others say, well, maybe they're only 35% effective. Wow. I think this is important, don't you? But those numbers are being then... Uh, censored by Facebook, by Twitter, etc. They don't want to talk about these things. Always listen to the arguments on both sides, to the scientific arguments. But most people have been so hypnotized that all they can think is, oh, but CNN says we need vaccines and COVID can kill me. Vaccine, give me a vaccine, give me another one, give me three. What, what's that you say? Even after three, I still have to wear a mask? Well, okay, uh, give me a booster shot too. Oh, I still need a mask and doesn't. Well, okay, you have a booster shot for me next year. These people are, I could say they're crazy. And yes, this is related to insanity. When I talk about when my talks about hypnosis, you'll see how this is related actually to insanity itself, this sort of attitude. That is, these people totally close their minds to any voices that speak out against something that they believe. It's kind of like, some people would like this comparison. I don't care what people like. I tell it, the, I, I call it as I see it, like a good umpire. I don't care if, if the team criticizes me. I don't care if the fans boo me. I call it as I see it. 
This is just like a few hundred years ago when they were still burning people at the stake for witchcraft or maybe for heresy, right? We would say, well, this is totally barbaric. But what they think back then, they just saw, hey, we're good Christians. And this person says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We have to kill him because God, of course, wanted him to kill him. And that's the only thing up to that point. They don't listen to the other arguments that, well, okay, is there actually proof that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And is there proof that God would want people to be burned? This? And they don't listen to that. They don't even listen. They just think, hey, Jesus Christ is God. And if you say he's not God, then you're a heretic. And of course, God doesn't love heretics, so we're going to burn you at the stake. That's the logic. And the people these days that don't even listen to even famous experts talking against vaccines, oh, they must all be crazy. They're just like the people a few hundred years ago. They're willing to send people to get burned at the stake. And some of these people, they would like to get their entire family, in quotes, vaccinated without even looking in the statistics of how many children have been harmed by these vaccines, without even realizing they're not vaccines but experimental drugs, without even knowing that there's no guarantees whatsoever and nothing has been proven that these things will, will keep you really safe because, you know, the high numbers of people that are being put in the hospital with COVID that have already been vaccinated twice or thrice. Oh, but these numbers are suppressed. They're not even looking into it. They, they, they're not even able to listen to it because they've been hypnotized. And so, connecting Hitler, Stalin, Mao, I predict in the not-too-distant future, we're going to have trials of people that are going to be accused of mass murder and genocide because this vaccine thing. But don't expect them to look like Hitler with a little mustache or Stalin with a bigger mustache or Mao the way he looked. Don't expect them to look like that necessarily. Because among the followers of Hitler and Stalin, Mao, you have people who look this totally normal. And the people are just going along with it. Sure. Some of those people working in the train system in Germany, they heard that these people taking, being taken away in boxcars, well, the official story was we're taking these Jews to some kind of nice little colonies in the East where they can live among themselves because we don't want to mix with these Jews. We're Aryans after all, right? And they can have their own communities. Germans even did propaganda films about that, showing these Jewish people, the women sewing, the men working in the fields, everybody seemed happy to convince people, well, yes, we're taking the Jews away because they're going to live on their own there. And, and in actuality, they're being taken away to death camps. Well, some people work for the train system. They suspected what, or even knew what was going on. But after all, well, that, you know, that's not my decision. I was just following orders. Well, I heard from my bosses and, you know, I, I believe my bosses. Why should they lie to me? What, you didn't suspect that really they were taking me to kill? Well, I heard those rumors, but, but why should we believe that? We're going to be hearing a lot of those things. I say within the next... 12 months, and maybe in a lot sooner, because there are trials that have already started, and they're going to get uh, uh, bigger and bigger, going to be more and more extensive. But don't expect these people that are then found guilty to, be, to look like Stalin or Hitler. No, no. They could seem like average people, but just because of circumstances, they were pulled into it, maybe they were offered bribes, or they got more money. Or at first they, 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 they just believed everything and then they were in a rut. Uh, there will be many different variations of such stories. And remember too, Hitler didn't go in those camps and kill all those Jews. There were thousands of people doing it for him. Now, I know some of you think this may be exaggerated. How can I compare Hitler well, with, with, the, with the vaccine campaign? Uh, you will see. In the future, you will see why I'm saying this now. But even if you don't want to accept that part of it, even if you don't want to accept that, forget the so-called vaccine issue now. 
I tell you once again, in every town of at least a thousand people, now maybe only 500 people, and sometimes maybe only 200 people, you'll find one person, you give him or her all the power in the country, and they'll be every bit as bad as Hitler. And that should be food for thought for you. And I'll tell you why. First of all, because it, it will help you understand human nature better, help you understand history better. But it also is meant to prod you to think more about yourself. Have you ever asked yourself, suppose you were given all the power in your country? And I mean like a Gaddafi in Libya, or like a Saddam Hussein in, in Iraq, or like a Hitler in Germany. In other words, everybody has to do what you want. Now, you might say, well, first thing I would do, I would get rid of corruption. And I would do this for the people. If you're more of a left, you say, yes, I give the people more money. If you're not, if you're not a leftist, you might say, well, I want to stimulate the economy in a healthy sort of capitalism. And so everybody thrives and prospers. But think of that on other levels, too. We know that all the sex scandals in Washington and many, many places, right? Even in families. You know what Qaddafi used to do? He'd drive around the city sometimes with bodyguards to see a, like a girl he liked. He'd say, hey, go bring her to me. So she'd have to go to the car, be taken back. Then he'd rape her, give her some money, and then kick her out. And I think, what a terrible monster. Well, yeah, I'd agree, terrible monster. But do you know you would never do something like that? Imagine if you had all the power in the country. You don't have to admit this to anyone, by the way. <laughs> but you think about that for yourself. You can do whatever you want. And so, it could be about a money thing, too. Well, the country takes in another billion dollars to think, well, I could distribute this people. Well, I could keep though half of it from me and the rest for the people. And then after a while, I could keep 90% from me, build a palace some other country, just in case the people want to dethrone me, they have a place to escape. Uh, because all these big dictators, oh, they had many billions stashed away, right? But would you really be totally honest as far as finances are concerned? Would you really not think, oh, that girl I kind of like, well, maybe have her abducted. Oh, give her 10,000 bucks, then she'd be happy with that. Do you know for a fact you would not do such things? Really, have you asked yourself that question? Some of you wouldn't, a lot of you wouldn't. Do you know that you wouldn't, though, once you get, once you get used to the power? Remember that saying, who said that? Was that Edmund Burke? Don't remember, all power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Do you ever really think about that? Or in other areas, you have maybe some political opposition that's really just insulting you. And you know you can just send out the secret police and have them arrested, and they're quiet then. Wouldn't you do it? Just have peace of mind? And you could justify, no, but if these people, if more listen to these people, then all of society starts to fall apart. So it's justified. They, they called me a fool, and they're going to pay for that. Send them off to wherever. You sure you wouldn't do that? I'd like to think I wouldn't. Can I be 100% sure? No, how can you be? Because if you're given all the power in a country, you don't know where it might lead. And these are things we should think about. And I say this also in a more charitable vein, because coming back to the trials that we're going to be seeing in the future because of this entire COVID slash vaccine, in quotes, situation, there are going to be so many people saying, I was following orders. Or, well, I thought it was the best thing and we didn't see statistics. Well, no, I, wasn't, I was just giving the shots. I wasn't really... The, we're going to hear all kinds of excuses. But remember, many of these people are simply normal people that closed their minds to the other side, to the arguments for their side. They weren't interested, maybe because they were getting some benefit, like from the pharmaceutical companies, <laughs> for not talking about the arguments against these experimental drugs. So yes, we'll have to understand them, 
these people are not total monsters. In another sort of setting, maybe a Stalin or Hitler wouldn't even have been total monsters. It might have been tyrants in the family, but wouldn't have been total monsters if they had been in other circumstances. We don't know this, of course. But in any case, just as some politician in the 20s promised uh, a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. Who was it? Calvin Coolidge? I don't remember. I think it was. He promised a car in every garage and a chicken in every pot. Well, I, I don't promise you, but I warn you, there's a Hitler in every town. <laughs> and no, you don't have to worry, because the overwhelming majority of these people will never have all the power in their country. But do watch out for them. And this is also something to be coming out more and more. The human trafficking situation, I know there have been a lot of ex exaggerations maybe, but reliable sources tell us that human trafficking generates more money than the international arms trade. And it's rivaling in its gains the international drug trade. We could come to the point where human trafficking generates more money for, for, for gangster organizations than the drug trade. Billions and billions of dollars. You think about that. Who is buying these sex slaves? Because that's what they are. It's human trafficking. And this has been going on for years. I read an account, oh, this must have been 10, 15 years ago, two, French, two uh, young French women, maybe early 20s, or in, I think they're in Morocco, and they go into some shop, and one's in one part of the shop, there's the other part, and then she looks around, her friend had just disappeared. And fortunately, she left there, got the police, the police raided the place, where the friend was standing, there was a trap door, and somebody pushed a button, the one beautiful girl falls through the trap door, and then she's in the hand of human traffickers, they're gonna send her off to some other country to sell her to, to a sheik in Arabia or something, I forget where it was, right? And fortunately, her friend ran out immediately, went to the police, but these are the type of things that have been going on for years. Do you know that human slavery exists once again in Libya? Gaddafi, the monster that he was, had gotten rid of the slave markets in Libya. Yes, you heard that right, slave markets, not that many decades ago. But since Gaddafi fell, fell thanks to President Obama and all the things, well, you remember that story with Libya was going on, well, Gaddafi fell, and since then, I've heard the slave markets are back. Did you know in Mauritania, another country there off the coast of Africa, do you know that, uh, that until 2007, I believe, was slavery was legal? That's funny, in America they're talking about, oh, so much racism. Well, why weren't they focused on Mauritania where slavery is legal? And it's been, for years now, illegal. But many people don't give a hoot. And they still have a whole lot of human traffic. And did you know these things? Or even looking into them? Probably not. And who are these people that are kidnapping people, adults or children, for the sex slave trade? I mean, this sounds pretty Hitler-esque or Stalin-esque to me. I mean, this is absolutely horrendous is going on. There are more and more arrests being made. Have you noticed? The arrests being made, I think, just a couple of days ago. Uh, 17 more of these monsters arrested. And three worked for Disney. <laughs> or was it four? There was some other case where um, you know, a few of them worked for Disney. Which shouldn't be surprising because I guess if you're a pedophile, you want to be in a place where there are a lot of children, right? But you don't have to be a, a Sherlock Holmes to put two and two together in that context, right? And no, not that most people work for Disney or pedophiles, but I would suspect you'd have an elevated number of pedophiles in jobs where people come in contact with children every day. In any case, uh, at least three of those people were arrested, uh, 17 altogether, like I said, and a few worked for Disney. You'll be hearing many more stories of that because their actions taking place to free a lot of these human slaves. Uh, there's a movie coming out. It still hasn't come out yet. It's, I believe it's called The Sound of Freedom. 
with Jim Caviezel. Uh, this movie is going to have a big effect on the country, I say. And it's supposed to come out, I think, first in June, then July. I think it still hasn't come out yet. And it's, I think it's being planned that way. It's going to come out when, when it should come out because it'll be connected to other events that we're going to, we're going to be learning about. There's still a lot of evil in the world. And, you know, traditionally, I've always tried to avoid the word evil because it sounds like, well, devil. Take away the D and you have evil, right? <laughs> uh, just the way the word's written, at least in English. And it sounds somewhat religious. But nonetheless, when you think of the enormity of certain crimes, those of Hitler, for example, I think we could all agree he was evil. And there are evil people around now. You just think of... We have to ask all these people being let across the border and we don't know where they're being taken. Where all are these children being taken? Don't you think that's worth looking into? Maybe they're being sold uh, by some, uh, some, some traffickers? Because a lot of people brought across the border by these, by, by like practically gang members who organize this. You know, people have to pay to be taken across the border or they just take them across. Uh, and then when they're given money, like so, and then and then the person is organized, it gets a, a lot of the money, uh, and of course these people are threatened. You better do what we say, or your family back in Mexico is going to suffer for it. And why aren't they following these people where they're really being taken? I think to be worth looking into. Maybe somebody is, and I hope that comes out then. Uh, and believe me, I don't want to say, look, evil's all around you. Be paranoid. Your next door neighbors are probably all pedophiles and murder. No, I'm, I'm sort of. In most cases, I'm sure they're very nice people, and they're probably good people because I think most people are good, no matter what your religious beliefs or even an atheist. I think most atheists are good people as well. But yeah, there's a lot of evil that lurks in the human soul, or however poetically one might put it. And uh, start with yourself there too. Do that as a mental exercise. If you were given all the power in your country, what crimes might you commit? Would you really just dedicate yourself to helping other people, helping your society? It's easy to say, oh, yes, I'd, I'd be another Abraham Lincoln or whoever, George Washington. It's easy to say that. But explore the depths of your own soul or of your own mind, whichever you prefer, or both, I should say, and ask yourself, what crimes could you be capable of? And then ask yourself, why? why how could you do maybe even some terrible things, steal money or even worse things? Uh, because, yeah, there's a lot of corruption in Washington and a lot more is going to be revealed. But I personally don't consider these people devils either. I think the people that have lost their way, and it can be very easy to lose your way once you're given too much power for your own good. Some people can take power and they can, they can use it very creatively and for good purposes. But for many people, you give them a just a little too much power and they start to abuse it. Hey, how, who hasn't had a boss that was tyrannical, right? Somebody who's a boss, even of a small company, but he loves the idea of having the power. And you know that he or she loves to have that power. It's, it's always sickened me, but I've seen it. I've seen it. There's some people, they just need, they're on this power trip. Something I never quite understand myself. But I'm sorry you know what I mean by this. So explore your own soul first and ask yourself how you can make yourself a better person. And no, don't go on any witch hunts to try to find evil in your neighborhood. I'm not suggesting that, not even remotely. But be aware that the human being is weak. And there are some people out there, many more than you would think, who are mentally 
not quite right in the head, I'll put it that way. And most of those people are going to be good people, despite not seeing things clearly or being not quite right in the head. But some of those people are not such good people, really. I'm sure you know this anyway. Uh, but I hope you are making myself clear enough here. Don't just go and blame it all on Hitler and Germany or Stalin and Russia. No, no, it, it's, it's much deeper than that. Examine yourself. Examine the very nature of what we call good and evil. Try to define those things, those concepts for yourself. Some believe they don't even exist. I think well, it's all just relative. Do you believe that? Ask yourself what you really believe. What gives life a meaning? This is practical philosophy. This is like what you learn in, in school, maybe university, concepts that are really hard to understand, like Immanuel Kant or, or, or such philosophers, Hegel. I don't know if anybody understands Hegel, really. No, these are much more practical things. They can help you in your life. And ask yourself, what is really good? What is evil? Ask yourself how good you are as a person. You shouldn't have any complexes. Well, I have some evil thoughts sometimes, so therefore I must be a devil. No, take it easy. Anything you've thought, any bad thought you've had, millions have had it before. And have a thought is one thing. To act on that thought is something else. Oh, my neighbor just won the lottery. Oh, he has a lot of money. Then maybe I could sneak in at night and steal some of his money. Well, you might, <laughs> hopefully you never do that. <laughs> but if, just to think about it, well, maybe you should think about it just to see if you actually, what, what impression does that thought make when you're like robbing your neighbor or something like that? I don't know. It's not too practical. I think that he won the lottery, has all the money at home. I know it was a dumb example on my part, but something else, you know, you know it could be anything else. You know, what, what could you possibly do to take advantage of somebody else just for money? This is one reason why I, I would never be a successful salesperson because the most successful ones, uh, okay, in the best of cases, they have a product, they totally believe in their product and they're enthusiastic about it and they want to convince you that it's good. And so then it's a win-win situation. They think you, they've convinced you, they've gotten your money, you've gotten their product, and everybody's happy. But I think there are a lot of salespeople that aren't even convinced of their products. All they want is your money. And is that really ethical? Think about it. Ever think about that? Did you ever work selling something and you weren't convinced of the product at all? You knew that the competition had a better product. That would always bother me, to tell you the truth. This is why I couldn't be a salesperson, really. Because somebody said, well, the product you're selling, David, is that really the best there is? If it weren't, I'd say, well, no, I don't think it is. I think what the competition is better than ours. And so I, I would get fired immediately, obviously. Because I don't want to take advantage of people thinking, well, the main thing is just get their money in my pocket. Is that really ethical? You think about that. Sometimes people have no choice because they have to live. Yes, I realize that. But there are things that should be thought about at least. Don't you think? So as you see, one thing leads to another. You see how many of these things are connected. But that's normal. And that's, that's what we do. We who think more deeply we who question, we who try to define certain terms even, uh, these are traits common to all of those who are on the path of Socrates. Thank you for listening. This is David Bolton, and hope you'll be listening the next time as well. Bye now. <laughs>